podcast with your producer, Seattle Who. It's time for the WhoCast, the audio arm of Who's Place. This is Season 3, Episode 23. I'm your host, Val Prohaska. Joining me, as always, is Who's Place founder, Seattle Who. Welcome to the conversation, Seattle. Hey, good to be back on Airwaves. I know we took a couple weeks off, but um, we are back in... UVA college sports continue. You know, at some point here, we're going to have to flip over to season four. But I guess we will wait until after all of the 2020-21 sports teams are done. And we've got a few that are still playing, including... The women's soccer team who have uh, advanced to... Well, we can't call it the Final Four since that, of course, is a trademark name. So soccer, we call it the College Cup. But that's the final four, and uh, it's a three ACC final four this year. So, got Florida State, UNC, and Virginia, and in uh, Santa Clara is uh, the the fourth team. But uh, ACC has proved once again that it's the best soccer conference. All five schools that were selected for the tournament, including Duke and Clemson, made it to the Elite Eight. And Duke was, which only I'm sure is not the Elite Eight because that's probably trademarked also. Probably trademarked as well. But so we'll, we'll, I guess we got to call it the quarter. Like we got to call it the third round, the second round. Well, we can call it the quarterfinals, or we could also call it the last eight. The they last made it eight. to the there last eight teams. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. That's yeah. how we're gonna start calling it the last eight. And you know, we're not saying. That Virginia made the Final Four in women's soccer. We're just saying that Virginia is one of the Final Four teams left in the Absolutely. women's national championship tournament. So, well, it's um, UVA made it to know, the it's, Final it's, Four teams that's of right. the tournament, which is this is the first yeah. time since 2014, and it's also. It is. A bit of a surprise. This team, this is a team that you and Coach Sampson weren't even sure was going to even get into the tournament, and they're in the final four I, teams. I don't, I don't know about him. When when we have him on, well, he said that in he said that in an interview after Selection Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I saw okay. it on on Twitter on the college, the women's soccer Twitter account. Yeah. Um, yeah, he you didn't know, say I, it to us. I just didn't know if five teams from the ACC were going to make it. Right. You know, on a, in a in a shrunk field. Turns out it wasn't that much of an issue. Five teams from the Big Twelve and five teams from the Pac twelve also made it. Okay. So uh, maybe in the dearth of, of video and time, you know, it became even more of a power conference sort of tournament. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we did make it. We were the only team that was unseated. So we mm-hmm. had to, you know, have a play-in game, as it were. And I think that might actually have helped in, in this case. Mm-hmm. Uh, the women only played four games all season, all fall. Oh, excuse me, all spring. And, you know, we had four cancellations. And so maybe they, you know, just an extra game helped. Right. You know, we, we, we talk in basketball about, you know, peaking in eight, you know peaking in March. I mean, that's the Tom Izzo strategy. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. doesn't really matter what happens in January. What happens is how well you're playing in March. So I, I think it's kind of it's kind of funny that, you know, here we are with fall sport, and we're talking about, you know, a team peaking in May. But 
uh, Virginia's peaking at the right time. Uh, we've been able to start the same lineup for all four games that we've played thus far. You know, and it's another first, reason I mean, that they might want to split the season, like we were talking about before, mm-hmm. and end it now. This is such a beautiful time to play soccer. <laughs> you know, the, the traditional the way it is in college, yeah. they're playing in freaking November when it's just... Well, the college cup's usually the first week in December. Yeah, okay. Even there. Hey, look, I took teams to I took teams to Thanksgiving week tournaments and it was freaking cold and it was unpleasant and you had to really be dedicated to you know, to want to be out there, but the the knocks hurt more and you know, sliding, there's just things you know, now it's May, and this is just beautiful conditions for soccer, and I think it really lets you play the beautiful game, and it probably is conducive you know, to the way our way, team plays. I, I, I would agree. I would agree. And the problem is, is that is that the players just you play too many games in too short a time, and so there's no there's no period periodicity, you know, in terms of this. You know, there's no. You have one day to warm down, and then you have a day of training, and then you have a, you know, a, a day off before your game. And so what happens is there's no practice time. There's no time to absorb this. And I think the season would just be so much better if you could play one game a week, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you didn't maybe need to have your ACC, you know, your, your conference tournaments until the spring. And then, you know, you go to a, a, an NCAA tournament that's just, a little more relaxed and it, it would have to be better for players. You know, the, the men's side has been very adamant about trying to get a split season. And, you know, when we had Swanson on, you know, he, he, he didn't, it didn't seem to be pushing for him, but, you know, we're going to ask him about that when he sees, you know, now that you've had this split season, do you think it's better? Okay. <laughs> there's is something know, I've been thinking about all week. How exciting what? would it be? To have national champion coach Steve Swanson on our show. Well, it's going to happen. So <laughs> if it, that, if that that's that's a bold play because Florida State and UN cheat. That you know, that's the probably that's the two best in in the country. We yeah. couldn't get past them in the ACC tournament. So. In order to win the national championship, so, we have to get past. Well, them. we we've got a, we've got another shot, and and again, we're we're not healthy. I mean, we have two two starters who have missed all fall uh, or all spring. Sydney Zandy, who got I, I presume she tore her ACL in in Pitt against the Pitt game, and then Anna Sumter, who was had an undisclosed injury but came back at the end of end of the sprint end of the fall has been gone all season. Mm-hmm. And so something else happened to her this spring. You know, so we are missing two starters. All right. But is Taryn Torres out there? Excuse me? Taryn Torres? Taryn Torres is back. Is and she in she is flow? playing. She's playing maj- majestically. I mean, she is just, she she just doesn't make a mistake. I mean, she's not a flashy player. So we may be missing a couple make- of starters, but it sounds like we've got the heart and soul of the team that we have the most impactful of the players are out there. We do, we do. And that's all and you can ask for at this time of year. Exactly. And probably the weakest starter is a, is a woman named Emma Dawson. And she's very mechanical, and but she's 
she's grown in each of the last four games. I mean, she's playing better. She's she's been starting all you know. She's starting on the right. She's she's been a, a sub before, but getting I think playing being regular has done wonders for her. She's she's playing. She's covering more ground. She's a little more assertive. What year and is she? She's learning how to. Uh, she's just second year. Okay. And um, she's learning how to get. Well, she plays on the same side, the right, uh, with Rebecca Jarrett, who's mm-hmm. our our speedster. Mm-hmm. And she's learning how to get Jarrett the ball in better space, where Jarrett can be more more deadly. One of the problems that the team has always had is that we put the ball to to Jarrett on her feet, and she's always at a standstill. And that's the thing that's frustrated me and anybody who's read my columns. You know, it's like. <laughs> Why don't we get her more of the ball when she's already in flight? Yeah, the fast ones, and, you want to get them the ball on their emotions so they can take full advantage exactly. of that speed. And we don't we do not do that. Yeah. And I, I guess it must be by design. But anyway, Dawson is learning to get the ball, to play the ball ahead of Jarrett. Mm-hmm. You know? So Jarrett's becoming just a little, she's making Jarrett a little more, more effective. So if, if our weakest player is improving every single game, and is and is marginally increasing the danger of maybe our most dangerous player. What more can you ask? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, she's she's really played well. So the the team is peaking at the at, at the right time, and we kind of you know we so the first game we had was against SIUE, Southern Illinois University at, at Edwardsville, and uh, they did score on us. But uh, we came back and, and, and trounced them, you know, three to one. It, we were clearly the better team. The SIUE was clearly outclassed and, you know, Kareem rose to the top. So then the second game we had to play, we played against BYU. Now, BYU is the highest scoring team in this country, mm-hmm. in, in the country this year. And it was easy to see why. All of their midfielders were extremely fast. They turned on the ball beautifully. And they kind of shredded our midfield. They really did. But our defense played incredibly. And Laurel Ivory, who's our keeper, mm-hmm. had the best game I've ever seen her play. Now, Ivory is is has played on the U16, U17, and U20 national women's teams. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think she was the most decorated international player on our team. I think she's lost that this year because I don't think she's playing this year on the U21 team. But she's she's very well respected. She's a very tidy, controlled goalkeeper. The, the team loves her. And now last she's year in the NCAA fear. tournament, we didn't have her, right? Because of what happened we did not. in the ACC. Because of Brianna Pinto. Right. Yeah, Brianna Pinto launched into her, shattered her jaw. <laughs> um, and, you know, what we found is that she was, perfectly sanguine about it was much more of an adult than I was after seeing that. Right. Uh, but yeah, this she's year, a she's great keeper. No and so, you know, that's an advantage that this year's team has over last year. Cause you know, last year's team was stronger and higher ranked and everything and, and seated. And you know, this, this is the team that's kind of snuck into the elite after a much more highly regarded team got knocked out yeah, early. Last, and year, last year we were number one for eight consecutive weeks. Yeah. I mean, last year's team was better on paper, on the field, and we lost in the second round, mm-hmm. breaking a, a streak of 16 years advancing, you know, to the to the, wow. to the Sweet 16, as it were. 
And, you know, maybe this is, this gets to be Swanson's redemption story. Because last year was the team. Right. <laughs> and last year's loss against Washington, while much better than UMBC, was still a shock to me. Um. But well, you know, it's, anyway, it's kinda, it, Ivory it, it reminds you of the, you know, Ralph Sampson's senior team year. They go out and then the next year they make the final four. And then of course, well, baseball, they, they, Wilson, sure. yeah, baseball, they win the national championship after getting knocked out with a, what was a better team. Like that was the team they lost early. And then the year, the following year, you know, they sneak in and they, they win the thing and finally get that, that championship. So you know, yeah. hopefully that's going to be it. Because man, he Steve, Coach Swanson needs that natty because it's like the one thing he hasn't done, and and that's as and all all sports would have a natty. That's you have to have yeah. one of those to you know to really be seen as an elite coach. And I really really want well, to see that there, for him. There is that because un- unfortunately Virginia and Swanson, you know, probably have the unenviable title of best program and best coach never to have won a national mm-hmm. championship. And that's not really a title you want. No, it sucks. <laughs> Come on, it sucks. But um, but anyway, so against BYU, Laurel Ivory, who, for all for everything she is, she's not a great shot stopper. Um, and, you know, but she came up with about five beautiful saves, and she had three in the first five minutes. Oh, they, they, they could have scored on two of them. I mean, they blitzed us. I mean, these mm-hmm. guys really, BYU was really good. Um, all of their mid, it was like it was like they had a team of Karen Torres's who were all faster than she was. Their midfield was stunningly great. It, it mm-hmm. may be the best midfield I've, I've, I've seen in, in, in recent years. And Laurel Ivory kept a clean sheet. She faced something like 19 shots on goal, or they took 19 shots. She had to make nine saves, which was her career high. Hmm. And she doesn't face that, not with Virginia's defense. Right. So she really came up huge. Um, so that was that was just a, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, it was truly edge of the seat. And then our third game, we played Rice, and Rice had pulled up the pulled off the the shocker of the tournament. They knocked out West Virginia, and mm-hmm. West Virginia was probably the fourth or fifth best team in the country this year. West Virginia had beaten us and tied us, you know, and looked better than us in both those games. And Rice Rice only got took one shot in the entire game, and oh, wow. that was penalty, and they converted it. <laughs> and um, it was tough to break down Rice, but Rice wasn't. Rice well, he wasn't in the in the class, um, and so we were we were very very comfortable in in that game and in, and in that win. And then our last game was uh, against TCU, who won the who actually won the Big Twelve regular season championship and defeated West Virginia, which was something we hadn't done. <laughs> and TCU was tough, um, really skilled. Really skilled team, very aggressive. You know. So, what was the final score of the BYU game? The BYU game was two nothing. All right, and what was the final so score of the Rice game? We shut out BYU. We shut out Rice two nothing. Okay, and then and, TCU no, was one. We shut out Rice three nothing. TCU and then was one. We won uh, this game one nothing. Mm-hmm. So we scored nine goals in 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 four games. Okay, and given up one. And given up one. 
Nice. Last week, so we scored nine unanswered goals, as it were. Right, because we gave up the um, first one. Yeah, and this was this was tough. Um, we kind of botched our first. We had we we created more really good chances, and Becca Jarrett and Diana Ordonez had shots that they should have buried. They missed both of them, and it was uh, it was a defender <laughs> on a corner. Stunningly great header. I mean, this this you know professional men couldn't couldn't do any better on this corner than than uh, Lizzie Siraki just met this ball and just hammered it home. Mm-hmm. And that was very early in the second half. And then we pretty much went into a complete shell and went into a prevent defense. Um, I would disagree with you know Swanson said in you know after the game said well our, our you know, our, our shape was changed a little bit. Like, no, you changed it. <laughs> we dropped way back. But, um, you know, the defense held firm. And so while Diana Ordenez and Rebecca Jarrett both missed chances on the goal, they probably played the best defense I've ever seen them. I mean, they work great on – I mean, they, they, they sold out on defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I haven't seen Diana Ordenez work that hard. I mean, she was all over the place. She was constantly herring and – and, and Jarrett was picking her spots, you know. So the way I phrased it was, you know, a defender won. <laughs> defender scored the goal, and, and the offense put their best shift in on the defensive line that, you know, I, I think I've seen all season. Yeah, sometimes that's um, the way it got, it's got to be. Yeah. So it was a, it was, it was a team, you know, it was, it was a team effort. And, you know, TCU was very good. So we, we've had two easy games. We've had two hard games and, and came out. Very well. I mean, we were we were more impressive than BYU, and we were more impressive than TCU, and and both of those are were really quality programs this year. So and Florida State is next. Got, Florida State is next. And we when is that Florida game? State, uh, Thursday. Okay. Uh, games at six. It's actually going to be uh, broadcast on ESPN two. Okay. Which which should really six help Eastern because. Time. Yes. So that'll be time. three o'clock in the um, afternoon out here on the best coast. For you, for you, those guys out there. Um, you know, we're we're looking to get more TV cameras. Uh, the entire tournament thus far has been, um, you know, there the both the men and the women are bubbling down in North Carolina, and they're playing their games at Wake Med Park mm-hmm. in in Cary, North Carolina, which is a gorgeous facility. But the games have been. The broadcast is just, you know, it's just a simple stream. There is one camera, uh, at midfield. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it, it hasn't been, it, it's been a troublesome, you know, experience overall. Uh, the, the announcers are sitting there watching the game on the screen as well. They're not able to watch the game directly. And, um, in, against TCU, uh, we've taken the one oh lead. We're in the prevent defense and probably the best player or the most physically strong player on TCU hit a rocket shot that hit the crossbar, bounced down, Laurel Ivory scooped it up and you know, mayhem ensued, you know, did it cross the goal line or not? And no one can tell. You know, there's no way that where the ref was standing, the ref couldn't make a call. You know, the TCU coaches were actually got a yellow card. They were screaming so hard and loud. 
but they couldn't see it either. <laughs> um, you know, and a simple goal line camera should have should have resolved that. Mm-hmm. You know, TCU might have scored, they might not have scored, but it's a it's a sucky way for TCU to go out. Well, the AR is right, um, supposedly right there, right? Well, this is true, but the linesman's got to be there. He's got to be right down on the line, yeah. and this this woman rocketed the shot from you know from twenty five yards out. Mm-hmm. You know, he's even with the ball mostly. Or he's even with the offside line. He wasn't stationed down on the end line, so he he might have had a better view, but he didn't. Have okay, a good so this view. was in this this was a off of an advance of the ball. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was well in advance of of the the assistant ref. Um. Now they didn't talk about it much. You know, I mean, the, the ref was very clear. You know, she didn't see it. She couldn't award the goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and there's no way she could. You know, she's out in the center of the pitch. But it was a, it was a tough way for TCU to lose, you know. And if the shoe had been on the other foot, you know, I, I would have been irate, you know. Whereas we <laughs> we scraped by with that. Now that would have just been the equalizing goal, right? And we were still we were still playing better, but um, it, it just seems to me that the NCAA should have better cameras. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're telling me that the Tar Heels or the NCAA or Wake Med Park doesn't have you know, two cameras you can set up on the end line, you know, set up on the goal line. Well, they obviously it's, have it's to have goal line thing. cameras there yeah. because they have national team games there and stuff. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's that's one yeah. of the the leading soccer facilities in the entire country. Exactly. So, you know, they, so they definitely it, have it. Just, yeah, it's, it, it, it's just really frustrating, you know, that, that, that this level, this game, Mm-hmm. You know that this isn't this isn't happening. I mean, I watched the play a dozen times. I mean, it, there is just no way to tell. You don't see where the ball hits because Laurel Ivory's body is actually in front of the ball. Right. You know, so we don't know where it hit. You know, but it was you know, only Laurel Ivory knows, and she ain't talking. Excuse me. Only Laurel Ivory knows, and she ain't talking. Well, actually, the ball was behind her, so <laughs> I, I don't. She didn't see it either, you know. <laughs> um, so there might have been a player or two who maybe had a view, but it, uh, you know, we advance. TCU doesn't. We've been screwed enough by refs this season, so it is just it is just one of those things. But uh, rough way for TCU to depart. So now so, TC, TCU fans, they can do the Auburn thing. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Us against the great state of Texas, you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, we do have we do have Florida State. We played them uh, last game of the regular season. It was a thrilling affair. Uh, they won four to three. We had gone. They had gone down three. They'd gone up three one, and we're cruising, really. And Virginia just refused to give up. I mean, these these women over the last four years that I've been watching them do not give up mm-hmm. ever. And they had a chance and to equalize, it, and you know, Florida State was just yeah. a little better. Yeah, I mean, Florida State's really good. I mean, I think they're the best team in the country this mm-hmm. year. Uh, they're undefeated. You know, nobody really. I mean, Duke has really pressed them hard. Now, Duke and Florida State went to penalties. Neither team scored. Uh, during like, during 120 minutes, and they went into you know Florida State one and one on penalties. Mm-hmm. So Duke has really challenged them, considering that I, I think Duke is 
second tier. I mean, they're good that they're not in it in Florida State's class. But you know, did they play them hard? But Florida State's the the class of the the class of the of the, the program this year, the class of the con- of the conference, the the country. They started the same lineup every single game last fall, and Swanson we lost. We only had one player who started every game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, every we lost insane numbers of, of man players, both in freak injuries, bad injuries, and of course COVID, uh, you know, protocols. So we played them really tough. You know, they didn't give up. Uh, they they clawed their way back in against a superior team. It was three three. And, you know, our bugaboo the last couple of years has been defending corners. And Florida State's really good at that. And we're weak, to put it charitably. And they scored on a corner. But um, other than that, you know, we, we've played really well. And uh, I know that Florida State's not going to be looking past us. <laughs> They're going to be completely focused because we're going to require all of their attention. So should be a really good match. I mean, this is this is the cream. Now, how close uh, should and, the North Carolina Santa Clara game be? How good Santa Clara? Well, Santa, Cl- Santa Clara's been really good. Uh, Santa Clara did jump on on Clemson, scored a goal in the maybe the tenth minute, and you know held out. And from what I understand, they were firmly in control of that game. Santa Clara sent the major shockwave in the uh, opening of the spring season when they. I mean, they thrashed um, Stanford. I think like three nothing. Mm, okay. First, second week of the of the spring season, and you know Stanford has been, you know, probably over the last five years, you know Stanford has at times been just truly scary. Um, now their best, their two best players have they're both graduated and moved on, but Katarina Macario has been probably the best player in the NCAA's for the last. I mean, every every time she walks on the pitch. All right, so when is the final game? If we get past Florida State, when will the final game be? You know, I haven't looked that far ahead. I, it's probably this weekend. It's probably Sunday. Mm-hmm. I think both the men and the women are crowning their champion on the same day, okay. which is rare. Usually, you know, the women come first and the men get, you know, a day better. And uh, both games, uh, both teams are, both, both crowns are going to be awarded on the, on the same day. So I'm going to presume it's Sunday. Okay. And that would be, you know, the winner of Florida State and Virginia is going to match off against the winner of UNC and Santa Clara. You know, looking ahead, you know, I want to make Brianna Pendo pay. <laughs> you know, not 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 physically. I don't want anybody to hurt her. But no, but you know, I I I want I want to beat. I want to send Brianna Pendo home crying. Who won the national championship <laughs> last year? Uh, Florida State. Okay. And they, they've come back. They've so come you back want, stronger, so. and and the way the way it really should be, is that Laurel Ivory should make an unbelievable save to stop a <laughs> Brianna Pinto Pinto shot Absolutely. that would equalize, Absolutely. and then we go on and win, and that that takes away her last chance to get a national championship. Yep. So that's the story uh, that we're writing here. And we'll <laughs> see what happens, but first. First, we have to get past Florida State, and you know that's very tough. But I'm I'm really hoping, really rooting for Coach Swanson, and 
definitely, definitely excited at the prospect of having a national champion coach on our show. I know we'll never get Tony Bennett, so Coach Swanson, you're our only hope. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh it is one of those things, but it's um it's 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 been a lot of fun watching this team and, and it's been one of the fun things I've enjoyed about being at his place. Was you know, I'd followed the team but then all of a sudden it sort of became an assignment. It was the thing that I wanted to do and bring to whose place mm-hmm. was, you know, coverage of, of, of these women. And, you know, I've seen every game and it's just been, this is, this is a fun team to watch. I mean, these girls, these women shed the same blood, sweat and tears as the men do. And it's, it, they deserve the same recognition. You know, they, they had a heartbreaking loss last year and I'm, I'm hoping that they get to write their redemption story, mm-hmm. you know, just like uh, just like Tony Barrett and the big three got to do, you know. It's that's what we that's what we play sports for. That's what we watch sports for. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping these women get a chance. But Final Four, College Cup, it's it's been better already than you know than they've expected. You know, they've been playing for a very long time. I mean, they started probably late July. Right. <laughs> it's been a very, very long team. They've been down there for three. They've been down there for two weeks. They're taking finals, you know, on you know via Zoom, <laughs> you know, MySpace, and, and well, interestingly enough, else. they probably would have been doing anyway this year. Sure, sure. <laughs> so that part of it is well, really you know, we that much different. We've all we've all learned what you can do with video conferencing this year, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Anyway, so that's Thursday night, six o'clock. All right, is uh, is the big game. North Carolina and Santa Clara will have kicked off earlier. I think they've got a three o'clock kickoff. Okay. No, actually one o'clock. I think they're a one o'clock kickoff. So, is it the sort of thing where our game will be a half hour after their game ends? I don't think so. I I, I think that was why the that that made me think that I, I think it's a one o'clock game. They don't want to do that. Because actually, the um, the game against uh, against uh, TCU, not TCU, against yeah TCU, started um, almost an hour and a half late because the earlier games, both of which went into overtime, mm-hmm. both of which went into penalties, were stopped due to due to thunder. Oh wow! And so, literally, eight teams, and you know, there's there's not dressing rooms for eight teams, you know, Virginia right. and, and TCU, they'd all been out practicing and, and warming up, and all eight teams went to their respective buses mm-hmm. and basically sat on the bus for about an hour, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and, that and, sucks. I've know, had to it, do that at a tournament before because of lightning. And you, yeah. just when you think you're you're getting ready to go, go play, another rumble of thunder happens, and then they have to restart the timer. And, yeah. Yeah, very frustrating. But, well, so. congratulations and best of luck to the women. I, I think it's great. I'm excited. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I know, you know, the women's soccer isn't the only team that's going D. But didn't tennis win the championship? I don't know. I, honestly, I've I've only seen things on Twitter, but I, I gather we've got several other teams that are going deep in in their tournaments or. 
you know, really have good shouts to win championships. So, um, well, pretty excited times. And, and heck, even even the baseball team, team has a chance to to get into the tournament. Although I guess they're they're starting to look like well, a long given shot, given the 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 craptastic way that they started, yeah, <laughs> making the tournament will be a making the ACC tournament will be a huge huge thing. I think there's 14 schools to play baseball in the ACC. Top 12 teams make it to um, into the ACC tournament, and you know when um, Carl started writing, you know week four, week five, it didn't look like we had right. Any yeah, we yeah of, of making it. So uh, they, they, they've played back. I know that you know women's field hockey is still playing, and um, lacrosse, you know, both, right? Uh, and lacrosse is still doing well. Yeah. So, and I think tennis, tennis did really well. I think swim didn't swim win it. Swim won the ACC title. Yeah. Okay. Swim and dive. Yeah. All right. So. So those are the so teams gonna... that are playing, and yep. There's you know there's been some activity in men's basketball and on who's placed about men's basketball and um, you know since we were last here. I I think Trey Murphy, I think we knew he was going to declare, but it hadn't actually officially happened yet. And now right. he's declared, and uh, he's starting to be talked about as a potential first-round pick. A lot of people are talking up his game who, who observe the draft, draft prospects, and it's probably starting to look like he's probably not going to be back next year. I know I tweeted, uh, Jamie Shaw asked, was Cam Johnson a better prospect when he came out than Trey Murphy is now? And, you know, I, I tweet out, yes, 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 he was. Trey needs another year. And that, you know, people took that seriously. I, I think I, I was mostly saying that as the hopeful, the UVA fan who, who doesn't want to see, <laughs> yeah. uh, another, another score leave. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's, we he's our team looks very different without him and i still think i still think that another year could could make him a lot of money i still think that he I could, think so too. he could I play mean, his is, way this into trade from what you know from Dre what people Hunter. are saying i mean this is a deeper draft year than the next year and you know if you have any chance of reaching the lottery you ought to, you ought to grab. I would yeah, think you I ought think to grab he could be a lottery pick rate. next year. I, I really do. I think, I think he and you know, there's improvement that he can make in his game that would make him much more valuable because you know, a three and D guy, which is right now what he would be, he would be a three and D guy. You know, they can have nice careers, and you know, look at Joe Harris. He just got paid, but you know, it took him six years to get paid. A guy like Dre Hunter, who's got a complete, complete game, he got paid coming out of college. Right. And you know now he's the best player on his team. He's just he's just coming back from injury. I think he just he might have started playing last night, or he's going to start tonight, or whatever. But he's just back from injury, and like his teammates are saying, he was the best player on the team when he got injured. Um, mm-hmm. And I think Trey Murphy's got that ability, but um, you know he's definitely not there now. He's he's a catch and shoot guy on offense, and I think it's funny. You know they. I read something where they were talking about his great off-ball defensive instincts, and I really I laughed when I read that that they were lauding his off-ball defense, and I was like, you know, maybe 
maybe compared to most of the players that you're looking at there, dude, he's a great off-ball defender, but not compared to Virginia basketball players. You know, his off-ball basketball instincts, nobody's comparing those to Isaiah Wilkins. Yeah. Uh, his on-ball defense, he got very good, and he he was showing, you know, he's really learned how to use his length and everything, and he, he had some really, really great stretches of on-ball defense last year. But, you know, in terms of being an all-around Virginia defender, he's still got a ways to go. Another year, I mean, he could really be a, a two-way terror. So, yeah. but, you know, if... You know, it's 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 hard to tell a kid who's gonna who's got a really good shot at being picked later in the first round to not take that sure thing, a relatively sure thing. So I, you know, I I want it to be known. I applaud him no matter what he does, and will definitely cheer for his draft position if he does not come back. But I, you know, I know it's really gonna hurt us. Um. Because, you know, we're all, with with what we're already losing, and when you take a look at the roster that we'll have, and what we'll have in the way of shooting and and scoring and and front court, uh, it's going to be really tough. And you know, I know there's a lot of excitement about Igor Milicic. He's the six nine player from Croatia who signed recently. He's a, a top European college prospect he's being called a four-star and a do-everything player but you know i'm very cautious on him based on the experiences that we've had with some international players who are you know supposed to be very strong international prospects who've you know really kind of struggled in the acc um and a couple of things that i've read about igor that make me want to throw some cold water on expectations that that people might be having one he's never shot higher than like 34 percent from three in europe mm-hmm. you know so he's not he's not coming in as a a consistent deadly shooter and we've had some guys who come in who were very good three-point shooters internationally and before getting to the ACC and, you know, I've really struggled. And then the other thing that I, that I read was about, uh, um, issues with lateral movement. And so the idea that he's going to be a, a Trey Murphy replacement, or he's going to come in and he's going to be a point forward or a wing, uh, you know, I, I, I don't see it. I think most likely we're going to see a, a pick and pop four. he's, he's, I think it's a good signing and I think he's a good prospect and I think maybe he can help next year, but I think he's another player, you know, St. Lou who always says with international players, it's going to be their third year before they can really contribute. And I've not seen right. anything about Igor that tells me that he's any different from that. So if we're looking at him to replace Trey Murphy next year, we're going to be sorely disappointed most likely. Right. And I don't, I don't want to put those expectations on that kid because well, I think it's a good addition to the class. It's not, you know, it it's not like adding a Trevor Keels who, who's probably going to come in in his first year and, you know, be a really good scorer and all that. Um, 
it's good depth. It's another good prospect. Um, you know, someone who can help going forward. But um, you know, he, he's definitely yeah. not going to make us forget Trey Murphy if if Trey does go off to the NBA and become the latest Tony Bennett protege to you know really go in and impress everybody in the NBA because uh, he's you know he's got a good group of guys to to follow there. So those have happened. Uh, and then Isaac McNeely, who committed for 2022, he led his team to the finals of the West Virginia State Championships. And they were the two seed. They lost to the one seed in a very close game. They got off to a horrible start. Uh, Isaac got off to a horrible start shooting the ball in that game. Um, but... He found his range late, and he led the team on a furious combat. And I think they took a one-point lead, or they tied it with about four minutes to go in a game if they weren't able to to carry it through. And um, you know, they just just barely lost that game. But you know, getting to the and in the semifinal, he, he you if you haven't seen his highlight, people. Try to or go just tr- even the last even the last ten seconds. I the mean, last like, ten gosh. seconds of the semifinal game, you've got to see it. the The winning shot that he hit is one of the I called it true greatness. At his love, that it was an amazing play. The way he kind of split this double team and went up and got this shot off right at the buzzer. It was the equal of what um, Kihei oh, and, and Mamadi pulled off at. At their level, yeah. So you know he had scored with so he hit a three with like about ten seconds mm-hmm. left to give them to give Poca. So here's the school name: it's Poca, P-O-C-A, and of course the nickname of the Poca school is the Dots. And that's so like their official nickname. That's like they are the Poca Dots. It's cool. It's yeah, very cool. It's official. So, um, so he he hits this three with ten seconds left to give him a two point lead. The guy for the other team comes down and cans a three with us with two and a half seconds left, you know, to give a one point lead. And then, you know, then then McNeely comes down and you know hits it's his second three in ten seconds. Mm-hmm. To, to give him the win. I mean, and he had just... like two and a half or three seconds or something to, to get the ball from the end line. And he got the ball up, split two defenders and got off a really nice balanced, good form shot from just a little bit outside the arc and just buried it. It was yeah. true greatness. It was an incredible yeah, moment. And... But then, you know, so after the final though, you know, they lost. And I think he scored just 12 points in the game for the final. But he, he had this quote that, you know, you have to love. He said, some, said something like, you know, some days it feels like you couldn't even hit the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said, that's what it was for me. And, and you know, all I can tell you is that I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and work on it. You know? Yeah, <laughs> but, you know, he but, like I said, he, he hit his late shots. Like, he, he scored, like, he scored almost all of his points in the last like quarter or quarter and a half during this comeback. And I, you know, I, even in defeat, I love that because sometimes you have to have, you have to have 
Cause, you know, look at Kyle Guy, who, you know, he shot like shit through the NCAA tournament through the first half of the Purdue game. And then he came out, and in the second half, you know, and he winds up finishing the game like at about 30, 35% from threes, but in the second half and overtime, he was deadly. Right. And, you know, without that, we don't withstand Carson Edwards. Right. So McNeely showed that same kind of, you know, inner belief that you have to have so that you don't get down on yourself when you're not hitting your shots. Um, so that was exciting to see for the future. And I just want to mention that Anthony Gill has gotten at least one start in the NBA. He started for Washington. So that's kind of what's going on in, in recruiting McNeely, Igor Milicic. I, I, I don't think we're done in bringing in players for this coming year. I, I guarantee you the staff is not done at least trying to get somebody else because we have a very light roster and you know we could use some other players. Look, the guys that we added are fantastic and Gardner and Franklin are going to be impact players and it's not like the cupboard is bare, but it's it's thin. And um, you know at this point, if, if Murphy leaves, I'm expecting next year to be a down year in terms of at least in terms of wins and losses not you know not in terms of being exciting and and proud of this team and and, you know happy with what they managed to accomplish but just like with 2019-2020 it's just going to be an issue of the roster the pieces that are there that team did phenomenally well for the pieces that they had but you have to look at it and say it was a down year based on the wins and losses results. Um, but, you know, maybe we can add someone uh, to, to um, counter that. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's, that, that's our hope. I mean, it's, it's, it, it could be a little bit lean, but you know, maybe what it means is that, you know, <laughs> Carson McCorkle's going to have to step up, you know, I mean, it's the guys, the guys, a shooter. You know, mm-hmm. and he looks perfect doing it. And he's just, we're going to have to put the ball in his hands. You know, and it may be rough for a bit, but, you know, at, uh, <laughs> uh, I think every every defection that we've had just to me increases, you know, how important McCorkle's going to be. Right. Yeah, because we're going to, especially if Murphy goes, we're going to need some just straight up shooters because there's not. Yeah. Yeah, at least we'll have. A, you know, a guy in Franklin who can get his own shot and do a lot of things. So that's going to be a big help. And uh, I hope we're going to see Reese Beekman, you know, really take the lead and take the ball in his hands and, and be that floor general that we need that I saw watched in AAU ball. And, um, and then with Gardner down in the post and Caden Shedrick, you know, showed flashes of a really good post game and, um, you know, so it's not like we're devoid of talent, but um, in terms of without Trey Murphy, would you would you call this team a, a threat to win the national championship? And I would have to say no. 
with him, I, I think it could be. Uh, he's especially I don't if he'd go that high, but I'd, I'd feel good about you know the chances of winning a you know a six ACC regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I don't, well, I think it. I, I think it if you can, if you can win the ACC regular season, you're a threat to win the national championship. Okay. I'll buy. I mean, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't a, say a favorite, a but, a, but, okay. but a threat. You know. Sure. So, um, and I guess the the really the last thing I had to talk about tonight is in, in terms of who's plays programming. You know, I started this series where I went back and I. It's called Championship or Bust, and it's kind of a double play on words there in a title because, you know, usually when you say, you know, Championship or Bust or This or Bust, it means that you're it's a statement of intent where you're going all in. You're either going to achieve your goal or you're going to die trying. Right. The way I'm using that title, it's a descriptor. Of UVA's NCAA tournament history <laughs> under Tony Bennett, it's championship, championship or bust, yeah. and that's yeah. really what it's been. And it's kind of ironic. And you know, I looked at, I went back, and I, I, I took St. Louis data from up through 2018, and uh, there's the charts are in there. It's posted up there for our, our friends. And the you know the last two years really, they complete they followed that that trend very much, and one of the most interesting things to me is that the 2019 team, in one sense, they kind of mess up the data because like I had said in one of my earlier articles up up through 2018 whenever Virginia's offense ran into a good defense in the NCAA tournament the offense fell apart and the team bounced out of the tournament and in, it's kind of funny cuz in in 2018-19 in that tournament when the offense ran into its first good defense in the tournament Oregon it fell Ooh. apart, but we still won, and defense won. So it seems like, you know, it, it kind of fits the pattern. But to me, what in watching that game, it wasn't that that was a just that was a good defense that it that was a unique defense, and our defense played just as well. Right. Later in the tournament, when we ran into the best defense in the country, we hung 85 points on them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that team showed why St. Louis and I were saying you've got to have an offense that can just, that can beat great defense if you want to win a national championship. And then we saw this past season. It really fits the same thing. We had another game. What did I say? Before the national championship team, in three, in the last three tournaments, we lost because our shooters couldn't hit jump shots. Mm-hmm. And then what happened again? 
We lost to an inferior team because our shooters couldn't hit jump shots. And especially, we couldn't hit shots while the other team was on a run. And right. we imploded. And, you know, this past season's team had a lot of talent. It had a lot of skill. It had great shooters. But what it didn't have, have was players that could get into the lane and make plays off the dribble. And we didn't have that to fall back on when a defense pressured our, you know, our curls and our 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 shooting plays. Right. So I I do intend to. There's got maybe two more articles in that series that are going to come up. I've got all the data and I've got all the the research and everything for looking back at my offensive theses and seeing how the experience of the last two years bears those out. And I guess what I'll, where I'll wrap up this rambling dissertation is that the, the Baylor Gonzaga game, it kind of fits the same thesis in that Gonzaga in, in that game, Gonzaga, they were UVA. They were the team that, they play patterns and they execute and they basically they get and they hit shots. Now that Suggs is a transcendental player who can make plays on the dribble and you know he almost brought him back. But Baylor is the team that they break you down with the dribble and they surround that with shooters. A lot like the great Villanova teams where they break you down with a dribble and then they can kick it out to the shooters. And that was what won the tournament. And so we, and I guess I would say that the hope I have for this coming team is that if we have the shooters, guys like Reese Beekman and Armand Franklin are guys who can make who can make plays in the lane off the dribble. And if they've got shooters to kick it out to, then we could see we could have a team that does better than it than it looks like it should. We could have a team that when it gets down into those do or die games can actually outperform its regular season mm-hmm. performance. Because they're the type types of players who when systems break down, when the game gets into scramble mode, they're still able to make plays, which is what we didn't well, have this year. Well, I, I, I think you've got the, you hit the nail on the head. It's can you outperform your regular season? And we know that Bennett's king of the regular season. But, you know, that's you've got, you've got to win six games. Mm-hmm. You've got to win six games in about 15 days. And our two teams that were the best in the, win the national championship. Our two teams that were the best in a the tournament, they had at at least relatively blah regular seasons. Like the you know, the 2018-19 team, I think I think they were the number 1 seed in the ACC. They were the number 1 seed in the NCAA tournament. But they didn't have like a signature win. They they didn't there was no big non-conference win. Duke beat them twice. Um they had some stretches where 
they just kind of muddled through against inferior teams. You know, they just kind of went through, and then they, they played great in the tournament. And in 2015-16 team that made the Elite Eight, you know, that team, they were dog spit in the first three weeks of January. I mean, that team lost, what, five ACC games? They had they mm-hmm. lost like seven games in the regular season. I think they were eleven and seven. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, and they played some matador defense at times, but they were built, and you could tell that they were focused on the postseason. Yeah. So this, um, we're gonna we'll keep an eye on recruiting. I know in early June. Isaac Trout is supposed to come visit UVA. He's a like a six nine forward. Um, Isaac Trout is the player that people are, are trying to kind of building Igor Milicic up into being. Trout is a guy. He's he's a great player, and he would be a great player in our system. And he's the kind of guy that you build a team around. And they're calling him Isaac Squared. If if he comes in with McNeely, that that's a twosome that would really you know have a huge impact. And well, much like Kyle Guy, you know, to seem to lead uh, recruiting while he was still a, a senior mm-hmm. in high school. Uh, McNeely's apparently really, really trying to. Uh, oh yeah, McNeely's recruiting. Him hard. <laughs> you know, so. yeah, yeah. McNeely's really, really wants me, and I guess they're friends and they, they know each other and. Um, you know, there, there's another, there's a player, a point guard, Austin Nunez out of Texas that we've got a good chance at. Who's another fantastic player. He's a fantastic point guard. Um, and a really, and these are really great shot maker. Trout and Nunez are both 2022. Yeah. So these, all these guys are going to be seniors in high school next year. They're not coming to, to Charlottesville next year. Right. Um, but they'll be coming in the following year. And look, we have got to have a big class for 2022. It's mandatory. If we don't have a big class, a 2016 class in 2022, it's going to be uh, really dicey. So there's a lot of pressure on the recruiting for that class. And it's up to a great start with Big Neely. And we have, a new, we have a new coach, right? We have a new assistant coach, some guy named Getter. He's been in the, with the program for a couple of years. I think he's okay. he, he's just getting he's moving up the the hierarchy. So now he's a recruiter, and um, I guess he's doing great. You know, a lot of we're, players we're, like we're him. That he's, he's, he's a good recruiter. Yeah, and you know, there's there's a lot of skill sets. You know, and and we talk. Well, I don't because I don't really care. But you know, there's there's a lot of skill sets that go into being a great coach and. Not every coach is going to be great at every single area, and you know Bennett mm-hmm. has struggled a bit. You know, given given his integrity and how he connects with with players and their families, you know the the just the the stunning on court success he's had. You know, every member of of Cavalier Nation, you know, is thinking, "Hey, we ought to be getting five stars of plenty now," and it's and it's been a struggle, and it certainly you know hurt you know losing. Losing Abdul Rahim and you know on top of losing Casey Morsell, but you know 
if if Bennett has you know can identify somebody who can do the heavy lifting on recruiting and maybe close the deal a little better, you know that's what coaches have to do. You know, you find out the things that they don't do well and get somebody who can do that really well. Mm-hmm. You know, and so but uh, apparently Getter is is blazing up the trail right now. Apparently, from from what I'm hearing. Yeah, that's good, um, and I, um, I, I don't want to let this episode go without saying mentioning Tane Murray. Um, you know, of course, the six four guard coming in from New Zealand again, an international, and three years before blah blah blah. The thing St. Louis said, but I think Murray's the player I think could come in and surprise people. I've only seen a couple of clips of him. But those were enough to tell me that of all the of the international players that I've seen, of the players at age that I've seen, I think his game could be more translatable instantly to the ACC than most that I've seen. I, I just the way he comes off a screen and gets into a shot is really fantastic, and yeah. I watch that and I say, okay. I think he can get his shot in the ACC. I haven't been so sure about a lot of guys. That one I think can get a shot in the ACC. I think he's got the mental toughness and all that. I, I think he might surprise surprise us and, and be ready to step up and and be part of it. So and he's coming this fall. And he's coming this fall, yes. And you know he's He's playing, you know, he's he's playing in a professional league against men. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's, he's yeah, I, I don't, I don't really put much been... stock in that. I, I used to, but after, um, you know, Cody Statman played in the Australian professional league with the Breakers, and and plenty of guys have done that. It's still the talent and the skill level is, is so much below the ACC. I I just don't think it really means much. I, I mean, it, it helps okay. in some ways, but I, I don't. I just don't think it's a big factor. Okay. So, well, we'll we'll see how he does. You know, so yeah. it's uh, he's he's going to have a weight on his shoulder too. You know, so, um, you know, it's a it's a joining a couple of transfers and and coming in. So, mm-hmm. it, it as always, you know, the the joy is the, for me. The thing I like about college basketball is that the journey is so much fun. Yeah, watching them grow. Um, yeah, it, it's been it, it's been it, it's why I watch college sports is is it's for me it's more about the journey. Um, you know, there's just I think it's partly because there's just there's a time limit. <laughs> you know, we mm. only get these kids for four years, and whereas you know, if you're watching the professionals, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was I was looking at it, you know. <laughs> Sue Bird's in her 19th season. Wow. <laughs> you know, playing in the, in the WNBA, you know. I mean, and we've been watching LeBron James for, for decades now. Yeah. Years, you know, whereas the guys come here, there's just not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, each game, you know, each season matters, you know, matters more. So, um, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I do like the journey. Favorite part of Favorite part of college sports. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, all right. So uh, 
Thank you for joining us here at uh, here at His Place. It's uh, it's all as always. It's been fun, Seattle, and uh, we'll be back in another couple of weeks. Yeah, sometime within the next two weeks. Hey, maybe we'll have national champion coach Steve Swanson on for that show. Well, we will definitely have him on regardless, and it's, it, it, he's had a fabulous you know spring to uh, to write home about. Mm-hmm. So. We'll we'll definitely be bringing him back, and uh, that's always always my favorite episode of the year. So get him on twice this year. So all right, uh, it'll be great. All right, wah wah everybody. Wah.